This January, we're going to focus on money. If you want to start the year strong, it's essential that you understand the biblical reasons why God cares about your finances, why He has given you the ability to create wealth, and why He actually wants you, believe it or not, to prosper. For some of you, this is a foreign concept, because you assume that if God wanted you to be wealthy, you would already be wealthy. Others among you think that God doesn't want you to be prosperous or wealthy at all because you reason the love of money is the root of all evil. And who wants to become evil, right? In this episode, we'll start by looking at your God-given ability to create wealth, why He has given you this ability, and what you can do or should do with this ability. Are you ready? Let's dig deeper. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, hosted by certified coaches Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Elizabeth is a Christian life and leadership coach, branding consultant, and busy mompreneur. Sebastian is a Christian speaker, Bible teacher, author, and leadership expert. Together, they help today's committed believers to dig deeper in their knowledge and walk with God in order for them to grow and climb higher in life and leadership. If you want to dig even deeper, make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com for more free resources and content. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. This is going to be a wonderful, uh, eye-opening topic that I know is going to bless a lot of you. Um, I know for Sebastian and I, when we first dug into this information and really uh, dove deep and, and researched and studied it for, for a very, very long time, it was really eye-opening for us and really changed our money mindset as Christian entrepreneurs, as believers, and it really, really helped us to want to do a lot more for God's kingdom, and I know it's going to do the same for you. So I encourage you to share it with other believers because I know it's going to have a great impact in their lives as well. So the Bible tells us plainly in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers, as it is this day. So that was from the New King James Version. So the New King James Version says that God gives you the power to get wealth. The New International Version translates it as the ability to produce wealth. And the New American Standard Bible says the power to make wealth. And Eugene Peterson's The Message says, your God gave you the strength to produce all this wealth. This is a very powerful passage of scripture and it makes some very interesting points. First of all, why would God give man ability, power, or strength to produce wealth in the first place unless he desired man to be wealthy? This confirms God's desire 
that we should become financially successful. Secondly, there is an underlying principle within this ability to create wealth that goes along with having your own business. Now, I'm not saying we're all called to have our own business. However, we were all given the ability to create wealth. And it is my contention that believers, kingdom expanders, as much as possible, should aim to use this ability to create wealth. And I think that the fastest or best way in today's economy to create wealth is to become entrepreneurs. Sure, there are still other venues where you can go to school and get a degree that's going to enable you to get a job that is a high-paying job. But these are few and far between. I mean, there's not that many options to choose from that are going to really make you wealthy. Unless you become a brain surgeon or a New York lawyer, there's not that many options where you're going to be like, yeah, I'm really creating wealth here because I went to school. Okay? Uh, I think it was Jim Rohn who used to say, uh, (laughs) education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. So, I believe that our ability to create wealth is greatly stunted when we seek to offer our services as employees. And I am saying this with great respect to all of you out there who are listening to us who are actually employees. And I've been an employee for like the longest time. And I just uh, recently was able to focus all my energy, time and, and gifting in my own business. Okay, so I get it. So I'm not saying that to judge you, to make you feel bad. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get you guys to think today about your present situation, what God's given you, this ability to create wealth, and what you can do with that. Okay, I'm just gonna try to expand your mind, and, and I think that our ability to create wealth is greatly multiplied when we build a business, when we become kingdompreneurs or kingdom entrepreneurs. It's interesting to note that in Deuteronomy 8.18, when we talk about establishing his covenant, the word establish, uh, when we look in the dictionary, Merriam-Webster defines the word establish this way, to institute something such as a law permanently by enactment or agreement. It also says to make firm or stable, to introduce and cause to grow and multiply. I like that last part. I thought that was really interesting. I like that last part. To introduce and cause to grow and multiply. I always thought establishment like more like a foundation. To fix. Yeah, to fix. But, But see, a foundation, that's another good point, right? A foundation is something that is firmly established. It's immovable. It's Mm -hmm. immovable. So God's covenant in the Old Testament uh, preceded and was meant to eventually bring forth the kingdom of God that Christ cemented through his work and his coming. The kingdom of God is all about expansion. From the moment Jesus came, it was all about the kingdom from that point on. So for God... Establishing his covenant today is about the new covenant. So that passage in Deuteronomy was, uh, it's an anchor. It's still true. It still applies to today's believers, although the covenant has changed. So back then it was a covenant with the fathers, right, that God made. But today that covenant has transformed through the works of Jesus Christ. 
and it is now a covenant to expand the kingdom from that day. So expanding his covenant today means spreading the good news of the kingdom of God, uh, as we see in Luke 4.43. That is why he gives us today, Christians today, believers today, the ability to create wealth. So that you still have that ability to create wealth. It wasn't just for Old Testament people. As human beings, we're given this ability to create wealth. And it is still ongoing today. It's something that is established. Yeah, and you know, I think it's funny to, to know, to see that. Because, you know, in the past when we read in the Bible, a lot of believers think that that was just normal for, for people back in the day to, you know, create wealth and to have livestock and and you know, businesses as carpenters and tent builders. And yet today, a lot of them, a lot of Christians are, you know, kind of living their lives doing jobs that they settled for because it pays for the bills. And they deep inside know that it's not really what God's calling them to do, but they have no clue what their purpose is. Mm -hmm. So they just say, well, you know, I'm just doing the good and godly thing, you know, doing my job to provide for my family. Exactly. And, and those are all good it. things. And, 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 and we don't want you to feel like we're dissing that. Okay. This is honorable work, you know, uh, uh, labor and work and, and you're working for your wages and that's admirable. I love that. I mean, but the point is, the point, the point of this whole episode is we can go further. We're kingdom expanders. We carry Christ within us. We can do more than just that. So that's the whole point of this episode. And yeah, and I think it's important to note, you know, like the verse that says that that God created us in his own image. We know our God to be a God that's a creative God. He created everything around us. So if we understand fully to what extent he's creative, I mean, there's a lot more that you can do with your brain than you're doing now to create more for your family. You just haven't really sat there and thought about that. Yeah. And some of the things you're going to hear in the course of this episode and in the course of maybe the next few episodes, like we said, we, we're going to do, a, uh, we're going to talk a lot about money in the month of January, which is very timely because as we know, oftentimes after the holidays, people, oftentimes the credit card bills come in and they look at their bills and they go like, oh, I'm going to have to do some overtime. This is going to be tough. <laughs> Brace for impact. And uh, so, obviously, it's, it's, I think it's a timely subject at the beginning of the year to talk about money. But you're going to hear some stuff that's going to ruffle your feathers, all right? And whenever we talk about uh, sensitive issues like money, for example, uh, from a scriptural point of view, we're always going to ruffle some feathers. Some people agree with us wholeheartedly. Others will write to us, uh, and I don't, I'm not encouraging that, but others will write to us and, and tell us that, you know, we're full of, you know, what. And that's okay. You're, that's your opinion. But here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do as you listen to these episodes, to this one in particular, and to the next few ones that we're going to do. Uh, have have a, a, a teachable spirit, okay? Be teachable. Be open-minded. Be willing to hear us out before you judge, okay? Aristotle once said, it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. And I think that's a wonderful quote. Uh, as believers, as someone, as people who want to dig deeper to climb higher, as we dig deeper, we're always going to encounter thoughts that go counter to what we believe, to what we've been taught for a number of years or to what we actually believe. And oftentimes our knee-jerk reaction is right away, as soon as it contradicts what we believe, ah, 
that's of the devil. The devil is a liar. <laughs> but uh, please, bear with us. Listen to what we have to say. It's very scriptural, and I know you're going to be blessed by it in the end. Okay. So some of you uh, listening to us might believe, might be thinking, I don't believe it's God's will for me to be filthy rich. It goes against everything I know of God. And you know what? That's the point I'm willing to concede to you. If that's what you think, I'm willing to concede that point. You know what? Filthy rich? Yeah. Maybe that's not God's will for you to be, quote-unquote, filthy rich. But it is nonetheless his will for you to create wealth. Okay? And, and, and by wealth, I, I think we're going to define that as we go. We're going to talk about the biblical definition of prosperity because I think there's been so much. It's been <laughs> some people pro think prosperity is having uh, your three meals a day and a roof over your head. They think, oh, we should be thankful for that because we're prosperous. And, and others go all out and they think that prosperity, if you don't have three Cadillacs at the door and a Ferrari, you're not really prosperous. I think there's a balance here that we need to re-establish as to what biblical prosperity is. And we're going to talk about that as, as we do these episodes. So, one thing I do know for sure, okay? I hope you're sitting down because <laughs> one thing I do know for sure, maybe it's not God's will for you to be filthy rich, okay? But one thing I do know for sure, and you can take that to the bank, pun intended, it is not God's will for you to be poor. Oh, yes, it is not God's will for you to be poor. Maybe I should repeat that. It is not God's will for you to be poor. So whether God wants you to be comfortable, well-off, rich, or freaking wealthy, that's between you and Him. The one thing I do know and know for sure is that God has no desire or use for you to be poor. Now, you might say, how do you know that, Sebastian? Well, it's quite simple. I have read the Bible and I've studied it carefully for decades. And I've also studied in recent years the lives and teachings of wealthy believers. If you're going to understand more about money, you don't take advice on money from people who are broke. And that's oftentimes a mistake we make. Well, that person is so godly, so full, so like they get up at four in the morning to pray for three hours. Yeah, but they're broke. So whatever they say about money, can you really take that to the bank? Again, pun intended. <laughs> I'm convinced that God doesn't want you or need you to be poor. Now, can he still use you if you're poor? Ah, now that's a different thing, right? Of course, of course God can still use you or use you despite you being poor. Of course he can. You know, for, uh, for every uh, Solomon or Job out there, there's a John the Baptist. And we know John the Baptist was willfully poor. So he had the gift of what we would call today voluntary poverty. And I'm not going to get into the gifts of the Spirit here. But depending on your purpose, why God put you on earth, he gives you, he distributes gifts to you. And John the Baptist had that particular gift. Uh, but likewise, for every Abraham or, or, or David or Solomon who were very wealthy, there are also today imprisoned and struggling apostles, especially in other countries. Like we're, we live in Canada, we're fortunate, we live in America. If you're listening to this from the States, you're blessed, right? You live in a, in a country where being Christian won't, won't get you killed, it won't get you in prison, you know? But there's still believers today that are suffering, not only from poverty, but they're, they're, they're tortured, they're, they're imprisoned. 
So obviously, this teaching is circumstantial to some degree. So you have to use your, your logic and as, we, as we talk about these principles. They are principles that can be hindered or, or, or you know, or stopped or hurt by uh, depending on your circumstances where you find. And we're not going to go in that either because I, I want to establish the principles. I want to teach principles here, okay? So, of course, God can use you even if you're broke, okay? But here's the thing you might not have considered. He can use you even more if you have money, <laughs> okay? Case in point, Job has a book after his name in the Bible, but John the Baptist doesn't have a book in his name in the Bible. And I'm not saying that he couldn't have had a book, but I'm just saying, check it out, you know? Furthermore, the Israelites in the Old Testament were told this in Deuteronomy 15.4, that's from the New Living Translation, there should be no poor among you. For the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land he is giving you as a special possession. There should be no poor among you. So God is saying basically to the Israelites, I've made sure that I, I, I've prepared provision for you guys. Why? Again, because he wants to establish his covenant upon the earth. That is con consistent with who he is, what he, his purpose for man, his purpose for his people establishes covenant and it, likewise it still applies today for us new testament believers uh, josh tolly is an author he wrote an excellent book called evangelpreneur how biblical free enterprise can empower your faith family and freedom he stresses the importance for believers to engage in business all throughout his book he, he kind of pushes believers out of their comfort zone. If they have jobs, he, he makes a pretty convincing case. If you have a job, that you need to look for more, to look to, to become more, to acquire more, uh, to provide more. So he makes a really good case in his book. And he also takes care in his book of elucidating the often misunderstood terms that we find in the Bible about the different types of workers. And it's amazing how he does it because what he does is he looks at the different terms in the Bible to define workers and he compares it to today so that we understand, okay, so back in the day it was called so-and-so. Today that would be the equivalent of so-and-so. And Liz uh, is going to explain these terms to all of you guys listening right now. So first of all, there are slaves. Slaves were considered property and treated as little more than cattle. In the Bible, slaves became slaves through war or through owing debt. Furthermore, civil law commanded owners to release slaves after six years. And although it happened, it was unlawful to kidnap and sell people into slavery. But we know it happened nonetheless. For example, Joseph. We also get a glimpse of the slave life in the epistle to Philemon. So the second category are laborers. In the Bible, they are mostly described as self-employed contractors. For example, if I am a contractor and you are a farmer who wants his crops picked, you and I agree on a wage for the job. I do the job, you pay me, and I move on. If you like the service I provided, you and I may do business again in the future. Therefore, it is in my interest to work well. 
My future is in my hands, and if I choose to make my services more desirable, I can choose to add a new skill to my arsenal of services I provide. With good business sense, I can even work my way up to the status of master. A good example of laborers is found in the parable of the workers in the vineyard in Matthew chapter 20, 1 to 16. So the third category is masters. So a master is an entrepreneur who, with the guidance and blessing of God, expands not only his business, but also his ability to impact the areas of life that really matter to him and the one he serves, which is God. The equivalent today is that of successful entrepreneurs. Examples of masters in the scripture are Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Job. Who are all wealthy, basically, who... who made success of themselves and who were business owners basically who had servants working for them exactly and so the last category he talks about are servants so servants in the scripture are the category of workers that most resemble employees today they have more freedom than slaves and get wages but they are not as free as laborers they have a set amount of hours a limited form of earning and limited living conditions. Their future is largely determined by their masters. Typically, servants in the Bible would wear an article of clothing representing the master they worked for. Today, we call that a uniform or name tag. Exactly. Exactly. Very well put. I found this very insightful when you describe those categories of workers and when you can link them to what that would be today. And then... In his book, Josh Tully has this. If we were to be honest, most of us would acknowledge we are servants. We are not slaves, few are laborers, and certainly not masters. The sad thing is, unlike in biblical times where servants became servants out of desperation, today we enter a similar arrangement not only voluntarily, but by choice. To make matters worse, we teach our children to do the same. And how do we teach our children to do the same? Well, basically, you've heard this. I've heard it from my parents. And most of you have heard it from your parents. Go to school, get an education, get a good job, right? So we're basically telling them, and back in Bible days, that would have been go to school and go work for a master and be a servant. And yet that was not something that was heard back then, okay? So servants did so just to, uh, maybe some of them were might have been slaves who were freed. You've been a slave for six years. Time comes for you to be free. Uh, what am I going to do? I've only been doing so-and-so for so long, so I'm just going to offer my services to a, a master. And, and some slave even chose uh, to become servants in, in their master's household. So they say, okay, I'm free, I'm a slave, but you know what? You were a good master, and uh, I know I'm not gonna, I don't have a shot at, becoming a master or laborer so i'm just going to work for you as a servant from now on and and serve you but now it's going to be a little a little higher up i'm getting a wage and <laughs> living quarters and, and and you know limited conditions but let's be clear guys god will not establish his covenant through us if we remain at the employ of someone else for 25 to 30 years I'm sorry to say this, but it is true. Now, like I said earlier, is there honor in that? Sure. 
Am I saying this is reprehensible? No, no way. I, I myself was at the employ of a big corporation for 18 years. But like it or not, a job is not a way for us to use our power to get wealth. Remember that the word job stands for just over broke or just obeying bosses. With a set number of hours and vacation and a predetermined salary ceiling, a job is, at best, just a pair of golden handcuffs. Like Jim Rohn once said, if you don't design your own life plan, chances are you'll fall into someone else's plan. And guess what they've planned for you? Not much. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, you know, I think we've all kind of wondered and thought about this and, and it's like, for those of us that we have a bigger calling in our lives, we kind of know this instinctively, but kind of shut our eyes. And, you know, I was working for a, a government position for over 10 years when I decided to leave. And I knew, you know, in my heart that there, there was more for me, that I deserved more and that God wanted to do more for me. But I had no clue what that looked like. And so I stayed in the, the comfort zone, even if it was a very, very uncomfortable <laughs> zone. Um, it wasn't a job that I liked doing. It was a very blue-collar job and didn't fit me. But I decided to do that because, you know, it paid more than what I would have gotten in an office somewhere. And so, you know, we, we trade for the golden handcuffs. What's our payoff? And my payoff was like, well, I can do this part-time, get paid pretty well, have more time with my family. And in reality, what I was trading for was, yes, a little more income, but I, you know, was also you know, it was decided that I had no more than two, three weeks to spend with that family on 12 months, which is completely ridiculous when you think about it. And, you know, a lot of people have accepted that. And this is just normal because, you know, their parents had the same life and their grandparents had the same life and, and so on and so on. So it has become normal to accept this, but it's not normal. So, um, these are things that we need to wake up and think about and you realize that we do have the possibility to change this. Even if you've been somewhere for many, many years, Sebastian used to work for a company for 18 years before you decide to leave. It is never too late to make those decisions, but you, you know, you obviously need a plan and um, you have to understand these fun fundamental principles and, you know, have a plan to execute them for, for you to, um, you know, finally have that financial uh, wealth that God is talking about. Yeah, our main verse, right, tells of how God wants to establish His covenant. And that's why He's giving you the ability to create wealth. What a tremendous privilege mm -hmm. that God gave us this ability to create wealth so that we work in partnership with Him. That's fascinating to me. So that's why He gave us the ability to create wealth. As New Testament believers, this means to contribute to His kingdom expanding using our resources that we create. So the wealth that we create, we invest it back into His kingdom so that it keeps growing. And guess what? Newsflash! You need money to do this. And I know the more religious among you might say, that's not true. You can, you can just pray and, and use your knees and, and pray God's kingdom to expand. Sure, prayer can do tremendous things. I've known men of God who, who would, through prayer, 
be contributors to expanding God's kingdom. But uh, let's be honest. Do you really get up at four in the morning to pray for three hours like these men used to do? See, I think they had the gift of intercession. And not everybody has the gift of intercession. However, we all have the ability to create wealth, which is something that God gave us for a purpose. And, you know, I think it's it's a good point you make because, you know, there's a lot of Christians out there that expect the money to come to them, to their ministry, to provide for their missions through other wealthy men. And so it's like they distance themselves saying, oh, that's another category of person you know, that God has either given wealth to or, you know, they are non-believers and hopefully they'll be gracious to give us some of their wealth for a good cause. Never uh, understanding that it is your duty to create wealth because God gave you the power to. He actually expects you to. Absolutely. So even, you know, I'm not, and I'm not talking about, um, you know, completely leaving your job and, and creating something else for yourself as an entrepreneur. I'm not even saying that if that's not your desire. But, you know, like there's women out there that, that have really good skills. There's men out there that have really good skills to, uh, like I'll give you just an example here on the island. We have men that are very good at creating lobster traps and they can sell them as decorations to tourists and make money off of that even if it's not to go catch an actual lob lobster. That's just an example. There's men that are really good with their hands. They create birdhouses. They sell them online. It could be just a side thing that creates wealth. There's all kinds of ways to create wealth. You just have to stop and think of the many skills and strengths that God has given you and how are you going to use them. And to all of you who, who pride yourselves in, in thinking, well, that's just not true. He doesn't really need me wealthy. He just need, needs me to be a prayer warrior or a super evangelist going to preach the gospel. I'm going to tell you something. You, have you ever heard Al Capone saying you can go a lot farther with a kind word and a gun <laughs> than with a kind word alone? Well, here's the thing, okay? God can get much farther with a godly man and money than with a godly man alone. And that is a proven fact from history. Okay, take a godly man alone and take a godly man with money. God's going to be able to do a lot more with that godly man who's got money. He's going to be able to push the boundaries, establish his covenant in a more certain way. Okay, so it's great if you're godly, but it's even better if you're godly and you have wealth to spare. And when I say to spare, that's another very important biblical principle. We'll get into it in other episodes, but suffice it to say, the Bible calls us to be rivers. So money is supposed to go through us. So we're supposed to create it as it goes through us and out of us. So like a river. Everything in the Bible that condemns money is about the accumulation of money. And why do people accumulate money? Simple. They love money. Those who accumulate money have the sin in their heart of loving money. Yeah, and they also and have a scarcity mindset. Too. Yeah, and everything in the Bible that speaks negatively of the rich is in the light of that. Those who accumulate money, not those who create wealth and who use it, you know, to bless, to, to expand, to create, to, to employ people, whatever. So this is a very important distinction to make in your biblical money mindset. Okay, we're not to be pawns of selfishness we're to be rivers 
of righteousness. Yeah, and you know, every time I've ever heard a Christian talk about money in a negative way, I've noticed that usually when they talk about the love of money is the root of all evil and uh, they they will talk focus on it's evil to have too much wealth, um, I've noticed that usually they are the type of person that for one has no money, pretty broke, and will talk as though it's a negative thing because if they had money in their possession, they would keep it and they would hoard it. They have no, they act godly, but when they speak, mm. it's all about themselves. And so they're like, well, I wouldn't want to have that much money because what would I do with all that money? Yeah. And it's wrong. And I would, you know, I would feel like ungodly and I would feel yeah. like this. And yeah, because you're only thinking about yourself. You, you have no it. kingdom perspective. Those who speak like that have absolutely no concept of the kingdom of God and how to expand it and how they, their role in it and how money is supposed to flow through them and then not to stop at them and it's not that the buck stops here. Yeah. <laughs> not a, a kind of like being a pawn of accumulation. They, 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 they perceive them. They, they, first of all, their image or their mindset concerning the wealthy is completely off. So they think the wealthy just accumulate money. That's all they do. Yeah. And if you're having issues, you know, with money mindsets and all of this is resonating with you and you're thinking, yeah, you know what? I, I did believe things like that. I did think like that. I want, I encourage you to go see the website povertyisnovirtue.com. Um, we, we made a blog into that and a study and it really debunks that theory. And I really think that it's going to help you with your mindset towards money. It's, it's very, very important that we understand this because like Sebastian said, we're to be rivers. And that's what the devil exactly doesn't want you to be. He does not want you to give money away because he knows who you're going to do good with that. He knows who you're going to bless and it's probably going to be other believers. And he doesn't want to see believers thrive. He doesn't want to see believers happy. He doesn't want to, he wants to keep them in a scarcity mindset, hoarding money, being scared yeah. that they're going to lose money because that's how they become powerless. Yeah. And not only that, but that's also how you become with that that mindset. That's how you become like anti-growth. Yeah. You stunt your own growth thinking, I, I, I'm not going to become wealthy. I'm not going to be... Because in your mind, wealthy means a bad person. It's just like you're telling yourself, well, I'm not going to become evil. Yeah. <laughs> and it's completely wrong. You need to change that. And, and here's the thing. And I'm going to say something that's going to shock you now. It is selfish to keep yourself from growing to your full financial potential. Let me repeat that. It is selfish to keep yourself from growing to your full financial potential. Believers who say things like, I don't need money, or I don't want money, or who say, uh, I just want enough to get by, they're not acting from a humble spirit, okay? Here's what they are doing. They are acting from a poverty spirit, and they need to repent of that. Furthermore, in saying things like these, they are blocking themselves from becoming conduits that God can use to bless others. When you prevent yourself from growing financially to your full potential, you are acting selfishly. Who knows how many people you could bless and help if you grew yourself and your income significantly. 
The Bible says it. God, as we saw in our verse, Deuteronomy 8.18, God doesn't want you to get by. He wants you to get wealth. That's the difference between God's mindset and yours. Okay? So if you say, I just want enough to get by, that's not what God wants. He doesn't want you to get by. He wants you to get wealth. That's why he gave you the power to get wealth. Now, this begs the question, very important question. After hearing everything we said here today, what are you going to do about it in 2020? God has given you the ability to create wealth, and now you know why. So what are you going to do about it in 2020? Maybe you've already been doing it and you're successful. Maybe you're already an entrepreneur. Maybe you, you, you still have your nine to five job, but you're working a, a side hustle and God has started blessing that. Fantastic. Good for you. Way to go. Or maybe you've had a business idea that you want to get going. Maybe, maybe this idea has been keeping you up at night. Maybe it's been haunt, haunting you for years. Maybe you've been doing that 9 to 5 job and, and you're really not happy there. And, and you have this idea and you, you just want to get going with that. Well, I encourage you to do it now. Do it this year. Do it this month. Do it this week. Okay? Or maybe, maybe you're a believer who's been doing a job that they really hate. Maybe, maybe you're like we were doing a job you really dislike. Maybe you're just doing it to get by, doing it because you have no choice and, you know, it is what it is. And maybe you would love to build extra income. Maybe what we said here today resonated with you to a really deep, deep degree. And maybe you're like, I would love to do that. I know I'm called for more. I know God wants me to do more than what I'm doing nine to five. I want to start a business. I want to pay off my debts. I want to build residual income. I want to bless my family so that they have more. But maybe, despite all those desires, maybe you don't know where to start. We've got good news for you. If if you'd like to get started towards building wealth using this ability that God has given you to create wealth, we have a proposition for you. We have something to propose to you guys. You probably know that most financial experts today agree that in order to create wealth in today's economy, you need at least five streams of income. And I'm not exaggerating. The Robert Kiyosaki's of this world, the Donald Trump's of this world would, would endorse this. I've heard John Maxwell say that a few times. You need at least five streams of income to accumulate wealth, to, to be wealthy in today's economy and to make a difference. King Solomon, the richest man who ever lived, he doesn't say five streams of income. King Solomon even goes as far as saying you need seven different streams of income. And that, I didn't invent that. That's in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 2. He says, invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. And it's kind of funny as we're saying this. 
uh, this week that was kind of like a panic in, in, in social media and on the news as, uh, as Donald Trump ordered uh, you know, strikes, missile strikes on uh, Iran. And it got pretty nasty and it got pretty scary. And it just reminded us, yeah, we do live in uncertain times and we don't know what, like Solomon says, what disaster may come upon the land. It would be a great idea to have at least five streams of income. But the reality, the reality, however, is that most people, and you probably you might fall in that category, most people have only two or three streams of income max. So here's the proposition. If you do want to get acquainted with perhaps an extra stream of income, of residual income, if you desire to bear more than just spiritual fruit, but you actually want to have financial fruit, if you're tired of the commute, if you're tired of being a, the equivalent of a servant in biblical days, which is an employee, if you want to help more people, if you desire better things for yourself and your family, if you want more time freedom to spend on the things that really matter, we have a good proposition. Me and Elizabeth were looking for believers who care about changing their situation. We're looking for people who don't want to just get by anymore but who get it. We were looking for believers who get it and who want to get wealth, to use their ability to create wealth. We're looking for people who want things to change and who are willing to change to make this happen. Because for things to change, you've got to change. So we're looking to work with believers who have a growth mindset and who really truly believe that God has given them the ability to create wealth in order to establish his covenant upon the earth. A company we work with is constantly growing and expanding. And as a result, we are seeking people who want to grow. We're seeking people who want to grow in leadership. We're seeking people who want to build a team, a solid team. We're seeking people who don't just want to change themselves and their circumstances, but who want to also contribute to changing other people, to changing other people's lives. We're looking for people who want to prosper financially and ultimately leave a legacy and establish God's covenant upon the earth. If what you've heard in this episode sounds really good to you and you would like to learn more, we invite you to go to a website called prosperinglife.com so that website again is prosperinglife.com we invite you to go visit this website we're affiliated with, with them and what you're going to see there is going to give you something extra you want to do more well you got to be willing to do more you're going to be willing to expand your horizons and consider different things than perhaps the nine to five that you despise or want to escape. If you want to escape it, you're going to have to try new things. So we encourage you to go visit the website, prosperinglife.com. So I hope that you enjoyed this podcast, that it was a blessing to you. And I know that, you know, some things may have been hard to hear as they were hard to hear for us 
uh, a couple of years back. Um, and we had to make those important decisions and we're really glad we did. So we encourage you to go to prosperinglife.com and we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to work with you. And uh, don't forget to share the pod- podcast with somebody that you know uh, it can greatly help and bless. Our wish for you guys is your prosperity. Just like in Third John verse 2, that you may prosper and be in health. That's our wish for you guys for 2020. And we know, because we've been there, we've done it. We know that it's not only possible, but we know also that uh, in order to do that, you have to try new things, expand your horizons, think differently, dare to dream. And it starts today. Be blessed. And thrive on. For more free resources and content, Make sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com 